Air, directed by Ben Affleck and starring Matt Dillon. What's his <laughs> name? <laughs> what is his name? <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> you were so confident. <laughs> well, Matt Dillon is a person, so he's an actor. I'm no, that's... sure he is. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously. <laughs> Air, starring... <laughs> Jordan Sparks. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Two Takes on Film, the only podcast ever featured on a Kendrick Lamar album. My name is Wyatt, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Heather Davenport. Hello. Heather and I are two best of friends that love talking about all things movies. So if that sounds interesting to you, make sure to like and follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. With that being said, we've got uh, an episode recapping you today on just some stuff we've been viewing in the past few months that we thought you might want to hear a bit of our thoughts on. So, without further ado, let's get into our first one. Air, directed by Ben Affleck and starring Matt Damon. <laughs> the story follows Sonny Vaccaro, played by Damon, a talent scout for Nike's basketball division in the 80s. As he and Phil Knight lead Nike in the pursuit of signing Michael Jordan to his rookie shoe deal. The opening sequence of the film is this uh, MTV-style montage of clips and important moments from the 80s that i can only imagine was a logistical nightmare to go through all the legal loopholes to get their hands on and they pull it off very well the the way it's edited into the story works very well and it's a good opener and it definitely sets the tone for the rest of the movie this is not subtle in its kind of bashing in the head of nostalgia from its costumes and the references and the dialogue to the overuse of radio hits from the 80s. It is primed for that middle-aged mom or dad viewership that just loves to be reminded of the things they did, the toys they used, the songs they listened to when they grew up. Now, personally, I'm not a fan of this type of nostalgia baiting. I don't like when songs uh, are in a movie simply just to have people say, oh yeah, I remember the 80s. I remember that song without it really tying in any further to the story. Uh, there's a moment in the movie where they talk about Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA and kind of the dichotomy of the feeling of that song compared to its lyrics. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, they actually play that song through the end credits. And I do feel like it has a bit to say about kind of the corporate nature of a movie about nike one of the biggest companies in the world that's something that i can get behind and appreciate the rest of the songs i can't say that about i really do feel like they're just kind of needle drops of the era simply to call back to that time because it's a time people have a lot of good memories for outside of the nostalgia baiting i do think that it is fairly well written uh the writer of this film alex convery is a first-time writer this this script was picked up off the blacklist for last year by Matt Damon and uh, and Ben Affleck for their new production company, um, Artist Equity. And you can tell that it's gone through a lot of passes with them, Affleck and Damon obviously being very accomplished and very awarded writers in their own right. And they've definitely polished it up. 
taken their own liberties, but polish it to make it a cohesive story that really becomes kind of a business drama. It's a very much people on the phone, making deals, talking to each other kind of movie, which I do really enjoy. It's refreshing to get this kind of uh, adult drama that is in that mid-budget range where we still get big stars in it and it's still in theaters, but it it really is just kind of listening to people talk and make deals the whole time. With this, the actors on display really shine uh, as their characters. Specifically, uh, Affleck is really funny as Phil Knight. Being pretty familiar with who Phil Knight is growing up in Oregon and being around the Nike world a lot, it's not a super accurate physicality-wise to Phil Knight. The scenes of Affleck running just look a little silly because he just is not someone who's built like a runner. Um, but I can say, having read Knight's books, that some of his kind of quips and ways of uh, using Knight's verbiage are very true to the man that he is, which is a very eccentric yet obviously accomplished businessman. Chris Tucker also stands out a lot in this film. I really enjoyed his character and reportedly... Uh, most of his dialogue is kind of improvised between him and Damon. And it was fun to just see him in a big role on the screen again, since he's not in that much anymore. But out of the whole cast, the standout is clearly Viola Davis as Michael Jordan's mother. Because Michael Jordan is not really a character in this film, despite the film being about him, he's kept at a distance. We actually never fully see his face in the movie. Viola Davis is kind of the other end of the negotiations between Nike and Jordan. She's kind of the, the speaker for her son in some ways. And she really gets the shine as a very strong woman as, you know, someone you, you have to imagine uh, someone who went on to become such an outstanding figure like Michael Jordan grew up with another strong figure kind of leading them towards that sense of confidence and, and level of commitment. Speaking of Jordan, our lack of ability to really see him in the movie. I think that it's one of the film's strongest aspects. The fact that they choose to hide Jordan, you know, don't get to see him allows us to constantly think of Michael Jordan as we know him now, because in the context of the story, we, they didn't know 100% that he would go on to become the greatest athlete of all time, or certainly the greatest basketball player of all time. We know that now, if we were able to just kind of say, oh yeah, it's, it, you know, that's not Michael Jordan. That just like a young actor playing him on screen. Then this movie is really about a bunch of grown men saying, Hey, please come wear our shoes, which is not that exciting, but because it's mysterious and we're, we're able to always envision him as what we knew he became what we know he became, it adds you know a lot more gravity to that. While some people might have an issue with a movie that kind of celebrates such a large corporate entity like Nike um, and kind of the consumeristic capitalistic nature of it, uh, especially celebrating a signing deal that went and made them billions of dollars and still does make them billions of dollars to this day, the movie leans away from that and leans more towards kind of the uh, grand American dream mythos that someone like Michael Jordan represents uh, and everyone in the 80s pursuit of that. So while I can understand people's issues with it, it on watch becomes easy to kind of root for the character, even though you know these characters are just in it to make billions of dollars. 
The movie does have some talk uh, to be in the Oscar contention for Best Picture. It is a big ensemble piece with lots of likable actors. It does have pretty good dialogue back and forth, and it is a topic that seems baity for the Oscar voter population. Personally, though, I just feel like it's one that will fizzle out by the time we get to the end of the year. You know, movies that come out as early uh, this early in the year, like it did, rarely have the chance to make it to the best picture conversation. If they do, they are absolute bangers like Everything Everywhere All at Once or Get Out. And this is simply not one of those movies. It's just not on that level of quality. So we'll see as the year goes on. But my prediction as of now is that it will fade as the rest of the year continues. So yeah, those are my thoughts on air. I think it was a pretty decent movie. It, it's probably one I will return to eventually just cause it's, it's fairly pleasant to, to watch. It's something, you know, I enjoyed watching with my parents, but at the end of the day, the movie didn't blow me away. Next up, we have Jury Duty. Jury Duty is a new show from the producers of The Office. And if you haven't heard about it yet, you are missing out. And I'm so glad that you're listening to this now so that you can be in the know and you can be encouraged to go watch this yourself. Um, Even now, pause this, go watch it, come back, uh, because it's just the best when you don't know that much about it. But if you have seen it or if you've don't care. Jury duty follows the inner workings of a group of people who have been chosen for jury duty. Amongst them is Ronald Gladden, a juror who is unaware that the actual trial and all that comes with it is fake. Everyone around him, the jurors, judge, the bailiff are all actors except for him. We follow this whole jury's journey throughout the trial, but we do it all through Ronald's eyes and throughout it, we see just what kind of a man he really is. I absolutely love this show. I actually watched it back to back. (laughs) I finished it. And then I think I probably took like a day break and then uh, revisited it after I had encouraged someone else to watch it um, because I truly just couldn't get enough of it. And it was such a fun, lighthearted watch. And if I had to rate it, I would honestly probably give it like a nine out of 10. Um, It was exactly the genre that I love. And it was a blast. Some things that worked for me, first and foremost, a huge kudos to the casting agents who casted for this entire show, Uh, whether it was Ronald himself, who is this angel of like a funny, kind, yet also naive man, or the entire cast around him, they absolutely nailed it on the head. To be able to cast people who could follow this kind of general basic guideline, but who could also consistently improv for like three weeks straight is just so impressive. Um, For Ronald, kind of the role of this normal person, non-actor. I think I I read that they had like 2,500 people apply to be a part of the show. So for them to be able to weed through all of those people and to find this unicorn that is Ronald Gladden is just really impressive. Um, So well done to them. The style of the show itself is really fun, especially if you do like the format and style of a show like The Office. Um, Another show that I've seen referenced that I haven't personally seen is the Joe Schmo show. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
again, I haven't seen it, so I don't know what that's kind of relating to, but this is a documentary, mockumentary, they're individual interviews, you're you're following this kind of cast of people who are working together, um, but it also feels like reality TV, um, and it is just hilarious. It also genuinely seemed like such a fun show to be a part of. The cast meshes really well together. Their chemistry is excellent. They obviously have to spend a lot of time together. Um, So for their chemistry to be so prominent that it feels like, oh, th- this is a group of strangers, but they they feel like they're actually becoming friends was really special and I think was really important to to the show overall. Uh, And then in addition to the chemistry amongst the characters and the actors, the actual character development of the actors in the show felt so well done. Their quirks, the way that they chose to bond with Ronald, the opportunities that they had as actors to kind of open the door for him to walk through was really great. Um, Todd is one of the characters that we... um, meet and get to spend some time with. He is Ronald's hotel room neighbor. They have connecting rooms um, that share a door. And he was certainly the one of the my favorites of the actors. His ability to capture Todd's quirks and his passions was so impressive. Um, again, Everyone is an actor except for Ronald. However, because Todd was in such close proximity with Ronald, he had an even higher task of staying in character because he was so nervous that Ronald would overhear him or would catch on to something being off. So just the commitment that he had, especially for his kind of character, if you've watched it uh, or if you go and watch it, you'll know he is just uh, he is extreme in in his character, personality, and traits. Uh, but again, I think all of it feels so believable to the characters and the people who are playing them. And I think so much of that goes back to the casting. Um, I'm forgetting her name, but one of the girls is like this uh, showy, flashy, like, what's her name? Do you know off the top of your head? Um. No, I can't. She's like a Brooklyn girl. Like, yeah, she is. Yeah, she's just like so over the top. Uh, no, sorry, like a Jersey girl. Yeah, a Jersey girl. Sure. Um, but she specifically mentioned that this is the type of character that she loves to play and embody, but that often feels so over the top for other roles that she'd been cast for. So when she kind of presented this as a character, um, and they accepted it, she was able to kind of lean into that. And it was, it was just a blast for her. So again, well done on the casting of the show. Uh, all in all, I loved this. I have very little negative feedback to offer it, especially because of the style of show that it is. It feels different to to review something like this. Um, I will say that sometimes it does feel hard to believe that Ronald didn't suspect that something was up. It gets so outrageous and so like, what on earth is happening? Um that it feels like, how would someone not pick up on this? Which, of course, you could just point back to the fact that he is so just kind and unassuming and 
you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, sometimes it feels hard to believe that it's truly authentic. I will say that he was ad- he has admitted that when he was cast, he thought it was going to be for a pretty serious documentary about jury duty. Um, so he definitely went in with that kind of mindset and then quickly realized that was not it. And he thought maybe it was actually more of a reality TV situation. So I could also understand that, that if you come to the conclusion like, oh, maybe I'm actually just on a reality TV show, the way that you're going to participate is going to be so much different than if you're like, I'm on a very serious, like educational documentary about jury duty. So I don't know. Ultimately, all (laughs) we have is is what we're shown and and what he has said about the process. And and yeah, and I Uh, think that. Sorry. No, go ahead. And I think that like getting the feeling of like, man, how did he not believe this incites, at least for me, research after the fact. And one of the greatest joys of the show is finishing it and then going and watching interviews with Ronald or with James Marsden or which did you even mention James Marsden was in it? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, it's, <laughs> James Marsden, famous actor. He's in the show. He's in the James show. Marsden, <laughs> as this like over-exaggerated egotistical version of himself. It's great. He's um, a blast. <laughs> but watching interviews with them, you know, to kind of figure out behind the scenes and how do they do it. And, and uh, Ronald talks about, well, whenever I would, you know, we only see so much of the show, but it happened over a longer period of time. And whenever he would say things like he'd say something to one of the other characters of like, oh, my gosh, this feels like a reality TV show or like this feels like a movie. This is crazy. They would like pump the brakes and yeah. just do two days of normal court. Nothing happening. Yeah. And we don't see that. But he experienced that and maybe leveled him back out to be like, okay, these are just some wacky people and, totally. and wacky stuff happens in the world all the time, you know? Totally. Yeah. You come to just kind of accept that and seeing stuff like that, I think not only reinforces the idea of like, I don't know. I think if I were in that situation, I would probably accept it. Sure. Everyone has a way of just thinking to themselves. You're always thinking, of course, this would happen to me. You're the center of your own universe kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So it reinforces the idea of like, yeah, I think maybe I would fall for it too. And just proves, you know, it 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 makes it all the more impressive the the stunt that this was that they pulled off. The high wire act of pulling this off for weeks at a time. Yeah. Was just absolutely incredible by all involved, cast and crew. Yeah. It's amazing. The amount of <laughs> which I you I would be so curious to know kind of the psychological impact of essentially an experiment like this, which Ronald has been very open about the fact that he has had some, (laughs) it took him a while to like kind of come down from the fact of finding out that this was all staged. Um, But just the pure amount of manipulation (laughs) that's happening to him and to the environment um, is just, it's so impressive and takes so many people to, to make it happen. But uh, the last thing that I'll say is that I feel like this should and could be a standalone season and and that feels fine. I if we if this is all we ever get, I would be so happy with that. It was a great show, a great idea. I feel like at this point it could be difficult to recreate certainly not the same exact thing, but even the premise of it. I don't know. Will people be so suspicious every time they're signing up for some sort of documentary or whatever? I don't know. Um, But it it just 
it feels kind of unfortunate. I was talking about it with someone and I was like, man, while they were filming, I wish that they would have filmed like five seasons of the same concept before they right. actually released it so that it's not affected by people actually watching it and then saying, oh, I'm going to apply to go be on the show, maybe because it's that or, you know, just it changes yeah. your mindset when you have the context of what it could be. Um, so again, all of that to say, if this is all we get, I'm totally satisfied. I likely will revisit it again um, because it is just such a fun, easy, lighthearted, um, excellent watch of a show. So definitely. I loved watching it. I will also watch it again soon. And I think all of you should as well. It is available to watch on Amazon Prime freebie through Amazon Prime. So go be sure to check it out. Boom. Next up, we have Bo is Afraid, the third feature film from horror director Ari Aster. Starring Joaquin Phoenix as the titular Bo, the movie follows a man with severe anxieties and a troubled past going to visit his mother, whom he has a turbulent relationship with. Now, that's a pretty simplified version of the actual plot of this film, um, but in actuality, this movie is three hours long and goes to so many different places and things that you won't expect uh, due to the experimental nature of Aster's storytelling paired with the untrustworthy nature of uh, Joaquin Phoenix's own mindset and you know what he's seeing. We can't always know what we're seeing is true or otherwise uh, as the film creates a very unique uh, and ridiculous world that might be a heightened version of our own reality or just a, a, a world that really does exist. Um, I will say that the first 40 minutes of this film had me locked in. I really enjoyed uh, almost the rhythmic pounding nature of uh, the, the tension between um, between Bo and his need to get to his mother building and building and building and all these inconveniences to him uh, and him needing to get to her building up in this compounding way uh, that just boils over eventually. However, the movie very much structures itself into thirds. Uh, and once we move into the second third of the film, it gets a bit more meandering at times uh, and a little bit all over the place. I do think that's where the film threatens to lose the most people um, so that by the time we kind of get to the final act that starts to hope to conclude some of these storylines and themes that we've been seeing Bo grapple with throughout the film, uh, it might have some people just simply lost both in terms of kind of what's going on in the story, what it means, and also just feeling a bit exhausted at that point by its runtime and the movies need to constantly um, need to constantly subvert what you think is coming next with something unexpected. It is certainly Astor's most experimental film. And I do think it's a, it's a meditation on some issues that he has dealt with on his life. It's a deeply personal film about different fears that he has uh, and different shame and uh, different feelings of shame and guilt that uh, his relationship with his parents and his upbringing kind of instilled into him. And it very much feels like we are watching a director workshop his own therapy sessions onto a screen. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Does that make it his most entertaining film? No. 
I would not say that this is my favorite of his three films, but I appreciate its existence. And I, I think that we all can garner something from watching it. Now, the nature of some of the, the subject matter might prove a bit too disturbing or just outlandish for some people. Uh, so I don't think it's one that, you know, everyone needs to watch, certainly. Um, but I also don't like the idea of like, oh, this won't be for everyone. Some people just might not get it or whatever. I think if it's something interesting to you, if the concept of a film like that, that isn't necessarily meant to be good, it's it's hard sometimes, especially as people who review movies, we think of, you know, a movie is intended to be good or to be bad. Not necessarily. I think in this case, it's just intended to be true and honest about what it is. Um, and sure, I'm I'm sure that Astor made decisions that he thought would benefit certain parts of the story, but he also wasn't going to sacrifice the the truth that he wanted to tell and the, the story he wanted to tell for things that might be more conventional or might make his movie more quote watchable. So if something like that sounds interesting to you, I would encourage you to, to go and watch the film. And I think that it's something that everyone could get something from, even if it's not everyone's thing, quote unquote, um, but it also might be one that people just skip over and, and that's totally fine. Um, so I don't have a ton to say about the film. I personally enjoyed it. I don't know if I'll find myself revisiting it too often. It's not a pleasant watch, um, but it is interesting to watch. And it does give me hope that studios still exist like a 24 who are willing to give directors of Astor's caliber this kind of budget to just just go all out and 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 have no control over them just let them totally do what they want to do even if the movie doesn't personally become my favorite i still prefer that this is the movie we got i wouldn't have wanted it any other way because i do feel like it's exactly how aster wanted it and that ultimately is what it's about so uh not my favorite movie of his certainly um, but I wouldn't change it other way. I, I'm glad it exists and I will eventually revisit it when the time's right. Next up, we have Cocaine Bear. This is the latest from director Elizabeth Banks, who, of course, prior to this directed Pitch Perfect and the newest Charlie's Angels. This is a story that is, quote unquote, inspired by true events and essentially follows a group of individuals who encounter and suffer the consequences of a black bear who is on a murderous rampage throughout the forest after having consumed a large amount of, you probably guessed it, cocaine. This is an absolutely ridiculous story and journey of survival, of drugs, of love. And if I had to rate it, I would probably give it maybe like a six and a half or a seven out of 10. Um, some things that worked for me, I think I personally had, oh, are you saying that to the rating? Yeah, Heather. You think that's too high? <laughs> Heather, a seven out of 10? I said a six and a half, and then I felt a like- A six and a half? Heather, the movie was awful. <laughs> but it was fun. I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> it wasn't that fun. I feel I've had fun. And here's why. I think I had appropriate expectations going into this. I think it's important 
that everyone has appropriate expectations going into it. If you have a general sense of Elizabeth Banks' humor, anticipate that for the entire movie. It is over the top. It is goofy. It is appropriately gory. And I think was a lot of fun, but it absolutely does not take itself too seriously. Of course, I don't know Elizabeth Banks' personal philosophy around the movies that she directs, how she directs, but it seems as though she is there to be silly and to have fun. That could be wrong. She may think she's making the next Oscar contender, and if she is, Maybe she needs to do a little bit of self-reflection, but I think she's going into this thinking, I am going to make a batshit crazy movie. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt like she did when I was watching this movie. There were... I... Sorry. I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll go ahead. Go. No, go, go ahead. Please. I also think... I don't think that Elizabeth uh, Moss, Olsen, Kate... Thanks. 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 I don't think that Elizabeth Banks is trying to make an Oscar winner. I think she's trying to make a really fun, crazy movie that's gets a lot of laughs. And I think she fails at that. (laughs) I don't think that it is. I think that the most fun, crazy parts that are the ridiculous cocaine bear killing mayhem are all in the trailer and everything Mm -hmm. left out of the trailer that we get in the movie is awkward dialogue, really terrible acting from good actors and jokes that are just not funny from people we don't care about because they're not actively (laughs) getting killed by a bear. Sure, sure. Sorry. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there's just something about, you know me, you know that it really doesn't take that much Mm -hmm. to get me me going, to give me a chuckle. And therefore, maybe I am Elizabeth Banks' target audience. Don't because say that. I, don't <laughs> don't don't bring yourself that low. Come on. <laughs> because I will go see a movie like this and I will laugh out loud at multiple parts because there were multiple parts that I thought were funny. Mm-hmm. And there were a few standout performances to me, although they were few, namely O'Shea Jackson Jr., who plays David. He's one of the individuals who's looking for the cocaine that fell from a plane. Um, There's Isaiah Whitlock Jr. who plays Detective Bob Springs. He's the detective who's really just out there trying to make a name for himself, trying to solve this, uh, get these drug lords. Um, And then Margot Martindale, who plays Ranger Liz, which I just love Margot Martindale. And she is the park ranger who is first tasked with kind of finding a couple of kids who go missing. Those were the three standout performances to me. And and when I think back to the movie, because it's been a minute since I watched it, but when I think back, they are really the only people who stand out in their scenes, which they're not even, I mean, a couple of them are like the main people. But uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> those, there are a couple of scenes in particular that I think back to as being impactful and funny, and they are involved in those. So mm-hmm. they were standouts to me. And then finally, I will say, which I'm not an expert, but I felt like the CGI was decent. It could have been far worse. I felt like it was decent for the most part. Of course, it had its moments of not being ideal. But overall, I felt like it was realistic enough that I was able to disconnect. I was able to accept the fact that it was a bear and that it Mm -hmm. wasn't some fake 
manifestation of that. Yeah. Um, to this day, I still love Elizabeth Banks' presentation of the visual effects board at this past year's Oscars um, and pointing to the fact that without VFX artists working on this movie, it would have been even more awful because it would have been a man in a bear suit crawling That's around. Um, and so, uh, yeah, thankful for those VFX artists on a movie like this. Side note, have you seen the video of the man who is dressed in a very realistic bear costume kind of laying yeah. on the side of the mountain? It's on the side of the road? Yeah. Yes. Seemingly Terrifying. looks maybe close to dead, ill for sure. And some tourists decide to start approaching it and then he uh of course pops out and and scares him gets good it's a really good way to get laugh. shot totally yeah. <laughs> yes oh man i live for a good scare moment though uh some things that didn't work for me in this in this movie the humor is there in parts. I enjoyed it, but it definitely feels, like I mentioned, controlled to just a few scenes that in thinking back really stick out to me. Outside of that, the rest of the story feels like dead weight. I will acknowledge that. And and for those people who don't connect with this style of humor, that means that this movie is probably mostly dead weight. So I get that. It's not going to connect with everyone. Um, there are a few different storylines here that ultimately are all connected via this bear or the drugs. Um, I personally was not a fan <laughs> of like most of the storylines, but particularly, unfortunately, Ray Liotta's storyline of kind of this drug lord. Um, rest in peace to Ray Liotta. I did not love his performance in this. Could have been the character he was given, could have been the movie as a whole. Um, but I just didn't, I didn't love that storyline in particular. And last but not least, it is Definitely cheesy and oftentimes poorly written. But again, if you go in with the expectation that that is what you <laughs> that's what you're getting and you just allow yourself to lean into that, I think it can truly be a fun watch. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add? Nope. I did if, not like it very much. <laughs> if this overly compelling review of Cocaine Bear has really... <laughs> Uh, struck your fancy and made you curious it is available to watch on peacock so if you have it and you have some time to kill go check it out and let us know if you agree with wyatt is it terrible do you agree with me there are a couple laughs let us know last but not least for today's episode we have scream six scream six is kind of the second of this new age of scream uh that started with just last year's scream five they came out only about a year uh from each other they introduced this new um new set of characters led by M melissa barrera and uh jenny ortega um and has done a pretty good job at providing adequate sequels to the original screen movies. I don't think they ever reach the heights that the originals do, but they certainly serve as kind of worthy, uh, worthy continuations of this franchise and are a bit of a course correct from the wildly inconsistent third and fourth movie in the franchise. This movie, like the second scream changes the location and follows our new characters to New York. Uh, New York City, which is the first time that Ghostface has been in the Big Apple. So we get kind of 
a new sense of atmosphere being in a big city like this. Uh, all the characters that were there before are still just as likable. I, I, I liked them a lot the first movie, and I still do now. By the end of this film, lots of the main characters are certainly reaching the point of, okay, they should have they should have died not only once, but like five or six times at this point. We're talking being stabbed many, many times, and then just being okay, you know, which is classic scream, a little ridiculous, but... You know, I would like to see some of the main characters bite it in the future to add some more genuine stakes, but I also understand that these movies are going to keep them coming back after impossibly ridiculous, you know, survival uh, situations, no matter what. Uh, I do think that the villains of this film, which of course are kept secret until the end of the film, like they are with all screams, are a bit of a weak reveal. I understand what they were going for with kind of continuing the legacy of Ghostface and his kind of cycling uh through each movie and and what the ghostface killers usually tend to represent i'm trying to avoid spoilers when i do this but i just wasn't a particular fan of the reveal um and i do think it felt a little cheap what i do like about this is the way that it sets up ghostface as a killer particularly the opening sequence of the film which if you know screen movies there's always some big opening sequence that kind of sets up the rest of it was very unique and it did set the tone of okay this is something different a lot of the marketing going to this into this film said you know oh you've never seen Ghostface like this and he's in a new place so this is wildly different and while i don't know if the movie as a whole is that different from the other ones the opening scene certainly makes a change that i never seen in a screen movie before and it does welcome or it does add a welcome sense of unpredictability to the movie even if it never fully gets that unpredictable from there on out uh the one strong suit of this movie is the kills do feel a lot more graphic we have some of the more brutal killings from ghostface that we've seen um so again that does kind of reinforce this idea that this new ghost face is different and kind of bigger and badder. Uh, and it, it obviously makes that end reveal a little bit more disappointing, but it does make for a more enjoyable watch throughout the film. All in all, like I said, these movies are plenty serviceable as sequels to the original film. I think if you're a fan of scream, it doesn't do anything that's going to piss you off, but it also doesn't totally change the game or, you know, prove to be one of the best entries in the, in the franchise. I think that it's very adequate. I'm, I'm excited that they keep making these, they keep making good money. Um, and you know, I'm excited for them to make more, but it doesn't quite elevate the game. Like some of its marketing maybe led us to believe it would. Well, those are our thoughts on part two of what we've been watching this spring. We know that was a lot. Hopefully you got to check out part one. Um, if you haven't, go back and listen to that as well. If you've seen any of what we reviewed today, reach out. Let us know what your thoughts were. Um, were you a fan? Do you Are you excited for more Scream films to come? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, watch as many movies as you can, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.
Who played the main character of the film? Um, I Carrie mm-hmm. Washington. No, <laughs> different. That's a different person. Yeah. Carrie Fisher. No, also different. I Carrie. Don't think that's a person. Oh yeah, that is a person. <laughs> yes. I was thinking K E R. Oh right, right, right. Carrie. Oh my gosh, what's her last name? I didn't even uh, write her down because I didn't care about her. Condon. No. That's a different character. <laughs> Why are there so many characters? I know. <laughs> oh gosh. I'll look it up. I just I don't know. Whatever. I didn't care about her. 